Hey guys, Emma Graney, the Press Gallery host here. Just really quickly, before we jump into another week of Alberta political fun, do make sure you subscribe to the Press Gallery. It makes your life easier. And we're available a ton of places from Stitcher to Google Play to uh, SoundCloud and other places, iTunes, I think, too. Um, if you can't find us, search Edmonton Journal and let me know, too, if we're not on your preferred platform and I'll do what I can to get us on there. You can drop me a line at egraney at postmedia.com or find me on Twitter, Emma L. Graney. Cheers. Sit back and enjoy another week of um, fun. Yeah, let's call it fun. <laughs> Welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. It is Friday, November 24, 2017. I'm your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney, and this is the Pipeline Party edition. What? What? Ain't no party like a pipeline party. It's a road trip. Is it? Well, I mean, the pipe. <laughs> Rachel, is Rachel not? Oh, yeah. So with know, me today, rolling, I should probably rolling Pipeline Party. <laughs> Let me introduce who's sitting across from me today. We have my legislative partner in crime, Claire Clancy. Hi, Emma. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. City columnist, Paula Simons. Ain't no podcast like a Paula podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and politics <laughs> columnist, Graham Thompson, who's shaking his head. Oh, I'm always shaking my head at this podcast, so good morning. <laughs> That's true. You are. Uh, So today we are totally going to be talking about pipelines and parties. We're going to be talking about Notley, sorry, Premier Rachel Notley's cross-country pipeline promotion tour. We're going to be talking about United Conservative leader Jason Kenney's reaction to that pipeline tour, which may surprise you. Spoiler, no, it won't. And an old voice from Washington who, I guess, waded into the fray as well this week. Then we're going to be talking about the Alberta Party. Alberta Party. That was. We're going to talk about their AGM. And very briefly as well, we're going to look at a bill coming next week. Let's kick it off with the pipelines. Uh, Graham, you wrote about it this week. What's happening? What is Rachel Notley doing? Well, she's on this cross-country tour, which includes includes Alberta. Uh, But it's really Ontario, (laughs) NBC, and Alberta, which oddly enough. But she was in Toronto and Ottawa on Monday and Tuesday giving speeches in favor of the pipeline. But she was saying, putting pressure on Ottawa, um, on the federal government, saying it's time to step up in defense of pipelines. What's happening there, of course, is that even though Ottawa gave approval to the Kinder Morgan expansion last year, that pipeline's really stalled right now. And she's putting pressure on Ottawa to get this thing underway, uh, which, of course, right now is sort of tied up in the courts as a judicial review um, results are coming out, I think, in December in mm-hmm. terms of uh, if it can go ahead. So we got that. Uh, she also talked to um, Bay Street in terms of the movers and shakers and, and uh, the Canadian industry, uh, the, the guys with the money. What she's doing here is, is she's really trying to impress upon Canada the need to get the pipeline built. So she wants more pressure from business people as well and right. politicians to get this pipeline built. It's really important for Alberta, important for the economy, but it's really important for her <laughs> politically. Not yes, it <laughs> is. <laughs> That's, this is the crux right now of their survival is getting a pipeline built to Tidewater is so crucial because this goes back to their climate leadership plan, their carbon tax, getting social license to get a pipeline built. Nothing's being built to Tidewater. And if she can get this pipeline under construction next year, ahead of the next election, she can say, look, 
we got something done where the Conservatives couldn't do it provincially or federally, a pipeline to Tidewater, and that's going to help her tremendously next election. So she's also on this tour. She's in Calgary today talking to the Chamber of Commerce. She'll be in Vancouver next week because, of course, the Kinder Morgan pipeline goes through B.C. and the expansion goes through B.C. Mm-hmm. And then she's back to Edmonton to talk to the Chamber of Commerce. And this is also you her... You don't need to convince them of anything. Well, that's, what a well, weird thing, is, thing so to do. She's convincing, trying to convince Albertans that she's doing the right thing. She's convincing Albertans that she's convincing people about yes, the pipeline. that's right. exactly it. Yeah. And so far, I mean, her national press coverage has been very good from sort of the center-right. Um, the National Post's Kelly McParland wrote a piece. I mean, the NDP could have practically sent him the talking points about what a fantastic speech she gave in Toronto and how she left no ox ungored was his fine line about this. Oh, uh, she left no locks. She left no ox ungored. Um, you know, and, and people are sort of depicting her as making a rational, pragmatic argument. Uh, you know, she also had the opportunity this week uh, because Nebraska approved uh, the Keystone XL, not on the route that uh, was initially proposed, but an alternate route. And so getting Nebraska to sign off on that is really important, especially when uh, the original Keystone line had a giant big leak all over the Dakotas. Mm -hmm. So that was really bad optics (laughs) for for them. But, uh, But, you know, I think Notley... She's a very effective public speaker. I mean, she really is uh, extremely articulate. And, you know, to, for her to go, I mean, here's the irony, right? I mean, the NDP premier out speaking to every uh, blue chip business audience. I mean, and that's that's the point of the Evident Chamber of Commerce, right? I mean, if she can get the tacit endorsement of the Alberta business community, that's that's a huge local political win for her. This is a really very tricky needle she's trying to thread. Um as an NDP premier uh, to go out and talk to the business community without alienating the traditional NDP base. And so she couches it by saying, you know, the, the, I mean, the messaging to the labor base is, see, I'm still an NDP premier because even though I'm advocating for a dirty, nasty pipeline, um, I, am, <laughs> I am advocating for worker jobs. And, and this is the way she's sort of trying to frame it to the, to the left of center audience that you cannot... You cannot just say, okay, we're not going to produce oil and gas in this country anymore because then you lose all your labor base. And I mean, to clarify as well, she was the cross-country tour was specifically to drum up support for the Trans Mountain Pipeline. So it was really fortuitous that that decision uh, from Nebraska came down because it was something in Toronto that she could kind of come out and say, See? like, look at this, this is moving forward for Keystone XL. And politically, though, um, as the Keystone thing came out, um, we had the um, opposition here bring up things that Rachel Notley said in 2015, which were not in support of the Keystone Pipeline, which was because, Graham, it was jobs going to the U.S., right? Well, yeah, the thing is about the Keystone XL is that the NDP's never been really, really keen on the Keystone XL no. for, for a couple of reasons. They didn't campaign in favor of it because they saw it being tied up in U.S. politics, and they could see, it's a few years ago, Obama vetoing that pipeline. So they thought there's no point in promoting this pipeline because it's also shipping jobs south into the U.S. This is raw bitumen. But it's interesting, Kenny had a news conference this week to really slam Notley. He had Rob Merrifield there, a former federal minister who became Alberta's agent under Jim Prentice in Washington. Yes. But anyway, but Kenny said, 
Um, you know, Notley and the, and the DPR are always have been against pipelines, always against them. In fact, here's a quote from Notley in 2015 in May, quote, when it comes to Keystone XL, we're against it. That's a quote, we're against it. Graham's doing air quotes around <laughs> we're against it. <laughs> now, the thing is, you go back and look at the quote, and it was on the CBC, Evan Solomon's show, May 2nd, 2015, Notley said on Keystone XL, we're against it as it currently stands because currently it'd be shipping jobs out of Alberta. It's important to keep jobs here in Alberta. And so uh, she was not saying I'm against pipelines. She was saying I'm against pipelines that ship jobs out. To have, she wanted to have more upgrading in Alberta. You could say, well, right now she's in favor of Keystone XL. She's a hypocrite. Well, no, things have changed. And no one's building upgraders. But back then they were thinking in terms of They'd be supporting Keystone if it actually had upgraded the bitumen first. But she wasn't just saying, we're against it. We're against pipelines. And well, it's I mean, because I mean, her, her, her pet pipeline was Energy East. And Energy and East once, and, and, and the expansion yeah, and, of uh, and Trans, Trans Mountain. Mountain. So once Energy East failed, then support for Keystone XL becomes much more politically expedient. Like well, beggars can't, can't be choosers when it comes to pipelines at this point. And so things have changed in the last two years. But, you know, but Kenny's... Kenny's use of that quotation. It was a little bit like, you know, when when you, you see a rave review for a movie and it's, and, it's, <laughs> and it's three words long and then you go back and look at the whole review in context and you think, oh, this reviewer actually didn't like this movie. <laughs> You've chosen this three or four word phrase. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Kenny is getting a reputation for, for twerking in a way like this that is really I mean, it's it's petty and it's stupid, right? Because he could have used the the full quotation mm-hmm. to say, "Well, she sent mixed signals and she's changed her mind." I mean, that that's a that's yeah. a fair criticism that you know that that her, her she's saying something different now than she did in 2015. But the thing that she said that was different is not the thing that he said that she said. You're not. You're right. I think there's enough there's enough things he can say about the NDP to attack them and criticize yeah. them. There's enough ammunition out there, but he always seems to take it one step further. And, and exaggerate it. And so we end up having to fact check it. And then we end up having to say, well, hold on for a second. And then the story becomes, at least in my mind, a lot of ways, fact checking Jason Kenney as opposed to the actual issue he's trying to talk about. And uh, Merrifield also said that uh, that what, when the NDP came into government, they asked him to stop advocating basically for Keystone mm. XL in the States. And it was interesting because talking to um, Nolly, she basically came out and said that's that's not true at all. They never actually said not to advocate anymore. So that was a kind of odd kind of press conference. It was, I mean, and, and for somebody who's supposed to be a diplomat, right? Know. You know, right. It was not very diplomatic. Well, I asked Graham what the rules around confidentiality are for that. Like, you know, I, I was checking into that because mm-hmm. you're right, Paula. He was a sort of quasi-diplomat hired by Jim Prentice to be our agent general in Washington. In fact, yeah. they, they, they actually have a diplomatic passport. Now, there he is at a partisan event, a news conference with Jason Kenney volunteering to yeah. criticize the NDP about what they told him while he was in that position. I want to actually bring up what he said exactly too, because he, he was at this, I was covering this press conference, so he said, um, when the NDP came into power, they told me to tool down on Keystone XL, and I said, okay, like, wh- what exactly did they say, tool down? Well, no, but like, how did they tell you? Did they phone you? Did they email you? Oh, well, it came as a directive through my office. Like, well, from whom? He's like, well, you know, the Premier was the agent in charge of my office. So, I'm like, so did you get an email or a phone call? Like, what happened? He goes, well, you know, my staff told me that they had been told to tool down on Keystone. So, I did. And I said, well, did you question that? And he went, no. 
And that's interesting because what was the line of communication there? Like that matters if you're coming out and criticizing the premier for telling you to tool down. It was was really weird. And what does tool down mean? Does that mean to drop, to drop it or to just not make it your number one priority? I mean, that's, it's a pretty ambiguous phrase. And and I'm pretty sure that's not the way a directive comes. Please tool down. But just leave a voicemail with your staff. If if my editor told me to tool down, I would literally not know what they were wanting me to do. And and in uh, Notley did say that they like she denies ever ever kind of uh, implying but that they should stop advocating well, for Keystone she, XL. Yeah. Sorry, no, uh, Kenny is now saying that the NDP actively campaigned against Keystone last election. Well, no, they didn't. They, they, they were not they were not big fans of Keystone for the things we've talked about earlier, but they weren't actively campaigning against it. And again, Kenny takes these things and exaggerates it to, to the point you got to go back and then explain how he has done an exaggeration at the very least. I don't know how successful Notley's going to be in trying to sell this out east. It doesn't seem to work very well. Does it ever work, trying to sell the... The message of pipelines, oh, look, they're great. Everyone well, I think them. what I do, what I think this carries on a point of what you guys were saying before, but honestly, the what it means is that to Albertans, it looks like she's doing something incredibly productive. But I agree with you. Like, I don't know how much it would to go to Toronto and uh, Ottawa and talk to rooms of people about the pipelines. Like, they know the issues and they don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Care. It seems like I a waste of time. I, but. I don't know. I mean, I think if you can convince Bay Street that you know, that th- this is an economic argument in their economic interest. What was what I thought was really fascinating is that uh, she sort of picked up Kenny's line about uh, transfer payments and was talking about how much more Alberta pays into Confederation than it gets out. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if we've heard that before. Uh, is she going to have a vote on uh, on transfer payments, but, on equalization? But, but she, she, I mean, I, I read the paragraph and then I read it again and I thought, wait, who's, wait who said that? Oh, Rachel Notley said that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know, but, but if you can make an argument in central Canada that Canada's economic future depends on not ignoring the fact that we can't get our, our, our oil out to market. I mean, it's really frustrating. I mean, right now, thanks thanks to the little mini coup in Saudi Arabia, oil prices are, are nicely up, and we're not reaping the full benefit of that because we can't get our oil to, to internationally priced markets. Uh, just speaking of uh, Notley's trip, it's interesting to see how her message has changed. It, she has gone to Ontario in the past and, and Quebec, and a year two ago after she became premier, her message was really about the environment. You know, we're doing more on the environment. You know, we, we do deserve that social license. And it was more like sort of a, a warm and fuzzy argument mm. to people in other parts of the, the country, but we're doing so much better on the environment. We deserve to get this pipeline built. It's a lot, lot harder edged now. And I think Paula's right. She is moving into that territory that the uh, UCP and conservatives want her to go. And I think that that is her pushing it, I think, to push back at the conservatives as well as hoping she gets some sort of traction with people who actually listen to that kind of message. Just adding on to Graham, the, in the teleconference she had from Otto earlier this week, she actually compared uh, like overzealous environmentalists to 
kind of right wing conservative saying they had peculiar similarities in terms of where they were moving in terms of their arguments. And that's so interesting because you have this, yeah, party that was very environmentalist saying basically you can be too environmentalist maybe in your arguments because when you're taking away jobs. And I imagine that she's, you know, that some of that comes from a place of of great personal frustration, right? Because she's trying Mm -hmm. to move the dial. And she was basically saying to people on the left, fine, you want to take me down and have Jason Kenney as premier? We'll see how that works out for you. See how that works out for the environment. I mean, it, it, it's true. I mean, if she's feeling sandbagged from the left, you know, I, I imagine that when she's saying things like that, it's not just a political calculation, but a, a certain amount of, of personal, you know, steam that she needs to vent. Okay, let's move on to the Alberta party. Claire, you were down at the AGM this weekend, as was Graham. Both mm-hmm. of you lucky sods, hey? I know. Indeed. And, uh, we, you know we, we missed you, Emma. <laughs> I know that you were thinking, I wish I was there. I, the but. whole weekend, <laughs> as I lay on my couch, I did wish... Instead, I were in Red Deer. She was in my backyard playing with my puppy. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. I know. (laughs) Easter and I, and I got my winter bike. It was great. Anyway, um, so, Claire. Sure. This was your first um, political kind of convention here in Alberta. In Alberta, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Uh, So that was fun. Um, (laughs) Are you saying that seriously? Yeah, partly. (laughs) It's always fun. Um, I think, uh, I guess Graham wrote a column about it, and then um, I pointed it out in my news story as well. But basically what was interesting was that uh, the Alberta party um, is saying that they have, uh, you know, had a huge jump in memberships. They won't actually tell us how many uh, memberships they have because they say they don't release those numbers. Um, But uh, at the actual Alberta party annual general meeting, um, lots of former progressive conservatives were there. Uh, so former cabinet ministers like Stephen Kahn, former PC party president Catherine O'Neill. And um, and yeah, and I think uh, it was interesting because basically a lot of them were saying that they're looking for a party to call home after uh, perhaps, you know, losing belief in progressive conservatives before and after unity. Didn't Catherine O'Neill run away from you guys? Yeah, uh, with Graham and Michelle at CBC, all of us were trying to chat to her because it's very interesting, obviously, that she was there. Um, and uh, she didn't seem to be very keen about talking to the media, but we did eventually track we, we her We eventually down. got her. And I think what was happening here was the narrative. Nat, they, I've covered the PCs for a number of years. <laughs> and it was like old home week. The people in that room. Like last year, the Alberta Party had 59 people. At their convention, their annual general meeting. Yeah. They had an overflow room they this year. They had 400 <laughs> this year, and they and actually had an overflow room. Dang. This room was packed. And it was a lot of friendly, old, familiar faces. Um, familiar and old because <laughs> they've been around. And listen, I'm just as old as they are because we've known each other for 30 years in some cases. And these are smart people. You've got behind the scenes Susan Elliott, uh, Stephen Carter, and Lee Richardson former federal conservative who became the principal secretary to Alison Redford. Uh, so people behind the scenes, and yet people who are ministers, uh, Stephen Kahn, uh, Doug Griffiths. Um, Thomas Lukasik. Was not there. Oh, Lukasik wasn't there. Just, there and just, the thing is, they were all his, asking. Just his name was there. Exactly. People were saying, is he here? Is he here? No, he wasn't there. But a lot of uh, other people, uh, Ron Casey, lesser known Dave Quest, uh, former MLAs. And then they would say, look, Graham, it's not just PCs here. Stop. <laughs> Pushing this narrative. It's not a takeover of, the, of this party by the PCs. There's people here from the Wild Rose. Carrie Toll. Yeah, she <laughs> crossed the floor, I believe, to the PCs. And Blake Peterson. Hmm, same thing. So, uh, and also people were running for board members, uh, membership, or 
also like just people who have in the past have been board members with the PCs. It was so obvious what's actually happened here. Like this is the Alberta Together people. So Catherine O'Neill wasn't just well, she was president of the PC party, but she's also been the leader really of the, the Alberta Together movement. This is the political action committee. Been around for a year or so. And these are the progressives uh, from the PCs. And, and primarily the Edmonton progressives. Yeah, a lot of them, yeah. Um, Stephen Mandel, former mayor of uh, Edmonton, a former uh, PC cabinet minister. Michael Walters was there too, um, Edmonton city councillor. So but he, he's an Alberta party uh, sort of yeah. stalwart. Yeah. But people from the PCs who have been in the past um, you know, part of the government, they lose their party to Jason Kenney. They form the Alberta Together movement, political action committee, looking for a new home. That's the home that is now the Alberta Party. And even last summer, I began writing about this, that even back then, they were kind of very politely looking behind the scenes at pushing out Greg Clark. And I wrote about that. It's in my columns because it was such an overt thing at these events now. They're actually talking about it openly that, lo and behold, when they get themselves organized, they all go down to the Alberta Party convention. Right before the convention starts, Greg Clark steps down. Now, he is saying he's doing it to try and get some more interest in the party. A leadership race gets people talking about the party. They can raise more money. How many people invented that leadership race, Graham? Well, right now, we have <laughs> none. And it's not as if he stepped down and all of a sudden there's half a dozen you know, prime candidates actually putting their hat in the ring. And everyone no was waiting for a big name of some kind that might be able to, like, I, yeah, what is happening with this race, which is now in February, it's I fe- guess. The actual yeah. vote will be in February. Well, so, that, and that's fast. Yeah, it is. It's very fast. So the names right now, um, Ryan Jesperson, of course, as a um, radio host uh, on Chad. His name pops up. Um, Achima Enkendurum, uh, he chief of, he's chief of staff to the mayor of Calgary. Uh, he helped found the Alberta Party. Uh, his name has been, he was at the convention. Uh, Ryan Jesperson was not at the convention. Um, there's a few other names it's out there. Is Greg Clark going to run again? He still hasn't said yet. That's just the weird thing. And in his speech, he wasn't saying, I'm, I've stepped down. He said, I've stepped away. And we were talking about, like, writing about him, too. He says he's interim leader, which is yeah. confusing because he stepped down. I know. He's so. now the interim leader until they got a new leader, which may actually be him. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, to me what's happened here yeah. is that he is, um, he's, I think he actually wants to, of course, stay on as leader. And for whatever the maneuvering was behind the scenes, he stepped down ahead of the convention, and now we're wondering what's got up with the Alberta Party. Now, of course, their whole premise for this whole thing, Alberta Together and the Alberta Party, is to give people in Alberta an alternative. If you think the NDP is too far to the left and the UCP is too far to the right, well, here you have this ready-built party with a great name, the Alberta Party. You can vote for them because it's full of progressives. And that's, that, that is their plan. They're hoping, in a sense, that this catches fire with Albertans. And uh, just a couple of things. Uh, Jason Kenney was speaking at the Manning Networking Conference in Red Deer as well. At the same well. time. And he, uh, he said that it's a second Liberal Party. That's how well, he called the Alberta Party. Oh, right, because everyone hates Liberals in Alberta. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the second thing I was going to say was that uh, the message of the day at the Alberta Party uh, annual meeting was that um, they're defining themselves as a party. They didn't actually talk about any kind of issues, uh, yeah. yeah issues or um, principles or anything because, and I think that 
that kind of allows pe- new members, I guess, to actually say what they want the party to be. So mm. that would imply that they're opening it up to kind of whoever wants to join. What interesting times we live in. And just finally, I want to talk about a private member's bill coming on Monday. Claire, you wrote about this. It's for a short income for the severely handicapped, right? Yeah, sure. So uh, interesting private member's bill from uh, Brian Malkinson. And um, basically, it closes a gap in legislation in Alberta. Uh, it'll bring us in line with every other province. But what it means is that um, if you are a parent with an adult uh, son or daughter who receives AISH and you're concerned about their financial future, um, you'll be able to create a discretionary fund um, that uh, a discretionary discretionary trust, sorry, that is uh that can total more than $100,000 to help towards their care. As of right now, um, if your assets total more than $100,000 um, as an ACE recipient, you can actually lose your benefits. Right. So if a mum passes away and the adult child is living with her and they inherit the house and all the stuff right. in it, they lose their ACE benefits. Yes, exactly. So this will yeah. close that gap. What's interesting is that it's actually reversing a rule that um, was taken away in Alberta in the late 1990s. Uh, these discretionary trusts used to be allowed but then they were abused and used oh. um, at, for bypassing taxes. But uh, Malkinson uh, says that the legislation, which I actually haven't seen yet, uh, will uh, basically require rules um, rules around AISH in order to take out the money to, to try and prevent abuse. Okay. And it's interesting because, I mean, Malkinson is an NDP backbencher, uh, but this isn't an NDP government motion. But I have to say, my brother, the small C conservative lawyer, said to me, this guy Malkinson, that's a that's a really good bill, and I thought, well, okay, if you can convince my brother that an MP <laughs> private member's bill is a good thing, then it then it must be. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on to our regular segment, good stuff from the gallery, in which we recommend things we have read or seen or heard lately that we think you, dear listeners, would also perhaps like. Clancy, what do you have for us? Sure. I am going to recommend um, a piece I read that I thought was truly fascinating called The Last of the Iron Lungs. It's a feature piece, and it's about... um, kind of now that polio is almost eradicated around the world, but in North America, it's uh, we haven't had cases in decades. Um, there are There's a group of survivors who basically have their own iron lungs to survive, but these machines don't have any people to maintain them. So oh, wow. it's about them yeah, trying to survive. Nobody's making parts for them anymore. That's exactly. Wow. It's really interesting. Cool. Paula? I'm going to recommend a piece from Vanity Fair. Uh, not my usual political go-to, but they have <laughs> they have an extraordinary story. Do you remember a few months ago there was a whole foufara that uh, Donald Trump met with the Russian ambassador and told them all about this really cool intel that Mossad had shared with him. Oh yeah, uh, that so, old this, so this is kind of a behind-the-scenes look at you know what Mossad had to do to get that intelligence and what it's done to Israeli-American relations. Uh, that Israel doesn't feel it can trust the United States with is sensitive information because they don't know if they're going to give it to the Russians who will give it to the Iranians. Um, it's it's quite the read. Wow. In honor of our friends south of the border who are celebrating uh, Thanksgiving or did yesterday, I guess, I'm going to recommend a piece from the Washington Post. And the title of it is, Here's the Deal with All Those Turkeys Terrorizing the Suburbs. What I learned <laughs> is that in America, wild turkeys are causing trouble all across in American suburbs. They've been accused of cracking roof tiles, um, terrorizing residents in Ohio. <laughs> and I want to I read you a quote. I love this bit. It's from um, a councillor in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This is an actual quote from Councillor De- Dennis Carlone. 
It was like the turkey was waiting for me. They're clearly strategizing. <laughs> More gold like that you can find from this Washington Post piece, and I'll, I will post the link on our website. Don- uh, Donald Trump's not pardoning those turkeys. <laughs> Graham, what do you got for us, mate? Um, a fine piece of journalism this morning's paper um, by Emma Green. Thank you, Graham. And I, I say it's because it goes to the issue we're talking about. I've got about a lot of hate mail already until someone told me to go Jason, back to Australia. Yeah, but Jason Kenney exaggerating <laughs> things. This is and the headline in the paper. It's online, obviously. You'll find the link for that yourself because you put it into the <laughs> system. Yeah. Uh, the headline is online statement about he- heating bills fudges the facts. Environment minister accuses UCP of scaring people with inflated numbers. This goes to the issue of the carbon taxes increasing in January the 1st, and uh, it'll increase on things like natural gas. And Kenny is saying it's going to increase the, the cost of heating your home by 75%. But, of course, he's saying, no, no, I didn't say that. He's saying that the increase is the same as 75% of the price per gigajoule. The problem is he's leaving the impression in people's minds that the NDP is raising the heating price for natural gas by 75%, and it's not. So what as Emma's done is very well, uh, it's clever as well, a Q&A about what the actual facts are on the – carbon tax increase. And the thing is, yes, the NDP is raising their carbon tax. Yes, it yeah, will cost you, will you pay more. more and that sucks. But it's not 75%. So again, Kenny exaggerates things. We're, we're, and we're left with having to do these fact-checking of his comments. And that becomes a story as opposed to the actual UCP attacking the NDP on factual and information. And it was actually based on a meme that was floating around done by um, Alberta Can't Wait, which is a political action committee that supports unity and now Jason Kenney or, you know, the UCP. So that what, is where it came from. What is fascinating, too, in the in the sort of the minutiae of this is natural gas prices now are ridiculously, insanely low compared to what they were mm-hmm. 10 years ago, uh, you know, when Murray Smith was telling people to put on a sweater. So, you know... As, as an increase to the base, because it's a flat increase, it seems largish, but that's only because your natural gas prices are so insanely low. And the fact that we have insanely low natural gas prices, while happy for us, heating our homes is not actually very good for the Alberta economy at all. No. So uh, that's an entirely separate issue. Guys, thank you so much for joining me, Claire, Paula, Graham, and Sean Butts, who is here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com for where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery podcast. You can also subscribe, search for Edmonton Journal on, um, I don't know, lots of places, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. And if you come across somewhere where you can't find it, let me know. Drop me a line at Emma L. Graney on Twitter or egraney at postmedia.com and I'll do my darndest to get it up on the internet. It's everywhere. Join us this time again next week on the Press Gallery.